So how do you start stuff? Oh my gosh, birth. I mean, I don't think that it's necessarily pretty. It just happens. It just happens. So is that true for everything though? I mean, you just kind of you just kind of go and and see what happens or what gets what goes into it? I think that we recognize things as having started quite a while after they actually started. It just mm. takes a while for us to see it. Oh, okay. So, huh. Okay. So what if we, what if you don't know if you started something? Is that what it is? You just don't know and you just go along and do it? Things are in motion and you are experiencing them, reacting to them, I think long before you're conscious of it. The seeds are planted and then you start to notice your own behavior and you realize that you started something where you make a conscious decision and it's a fairly arbitrary and you say, now I'm starting something. You just claimed that point in time as the start, but it really started long before that. Do we have, uh, so do we have any control over that really? Not necessarily. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that we don't have control over and it's kind of exciting to let go of all of that control and not have to be so in control. The thing that we have control over is how we respond to the things that happen to us, what we uh, do with them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but what if, what, what about this? I mean, we just, we just decided to start a podcast. <laughs> we just decided to start it and we just started it together. And that was the decision, right? Or not? Of course it was decision, but think <laughs> about all the things that happened before we hit record. Quite frankly, um, a lot there were a lot of things in motion. We had a few phone calls about it. We sent a bunch of emails. We tried to figure out what the format would be. Even before that, we had a couple phone calls just getting to know each other um, post-conference. And before that, we had an amazing interaction at a conference that was completely unplanned. Yes. spontaneous and before that we just happened to decide to go to the same conference but before that we found each other on twitter or you found me and i responded and i remembered that we had worthwhile interactions and all of that snowballed into where we are now i mean that makes sense to me i think the 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 thing for me that I remember is that my, so my coworker, actually, Mateki, she introduced me to you via the Twitter. Like, it was just really, it was really weird because one day it was that she just stopped by my desk and she said, uh, she said, do you follow Whitney Hess? And I said, no, I don't know who that is. And she said, well, she's this UX person on Twitter. And boy, I'm paraphrasing here. But she said, <laughs> she's this UX person on Twitter. She's pretty cool. She's doing a lot of great work. But people are giving her shit because she is putting, and I forget if this was the, <laughs> I forget if this was the, when you were doing the person by person thing for, um, gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm going to Hurricane was, Sandy. Was that Sandy? Okay. So for Sandy, when you were doing that, and she said, you know, a lot of people are giving her shit for it. And and I was like, wow, that sounds weird. So I went to check it out and I read your post and I read the tweets a little bit. And I was like, I don't understand why people are attacking her, but okay. But I was more intrigued by the the idea of it because it seemed 
you know, it seemed uh, human <laughs> and humane to do. Um, and then, you know, from there, I just, I, you know, I followed you on the Twitter and that was it. And, you know, as you say, then it was a progression. It was, you know, I was simply reading your stuff for a, a while, you know, a number of months. Um, and then when I think I saw that you were going to be at IA Summit, um, I was like, well, I want to say hello and I want to introduce myself because we had, you know, we had an interaction on the Twitter and um, it was great. But I, I also like I went into it and I was like, she's she's not going to know who I am. I was totally like, she, I, I'm just I'm just this guy and that's it. And I'm going to say hello and I will thank her for her work. And that will be that, you know, that's that was my expectation going in, which well, is fine. It's so funny because firstly, um, being and I'm not going to use the word attacked, but criticized for <laughs> the things that I have done on Twitter is not new for me. And so the reason that it was happening then is that I was, um, quote, clogging up people's feeds with information on the lives that were lost during Hurricane Sandy because I felt that the media coverage was more about flooding and storm surges than it was about people who were dying and the many many more people who were um in trouble and and not getting the aid that they needed and so people then said something like you know stick to your topics in you know to paraphrase and then um it reminded me of another time about two years ago when I started the four-hour body eating plan and I went on Twitter to say, look, I'm starting this new diet and I need you all to hold me accountable. And it felt like a really positive thing to reach out to a community of peers and say, I'm trying to better myself in this way, you know, with my physical health and the way that I eat. And so I was posting, um, you know, what I was having. Three meals a day. That's three tweets out of a day. And I tweet a lot more than three times a day on average. And I actually got replies from people saying, less food, more UX. Uh, sure. <laughs> so being a, a whole human being who not only practices user experience writes about user experience, talks about user experience, but also eats three meals a day and wants to connect with other people on that level, on that human level, doesn't appeal to everyone, but that's okay. Um, When we connected in person, the conversation was so immediate and I felt like we were drawn to each other to have a conversation not about all the UX topics that were going on around us at the IA Summit, but about being human and how we show up as whole human beings everywhere we go. And it was amazing to me when um, I said something along the lines of, oh my gosh, it's been years to you. And I noticed in your face 
that you like furrowed your brow a little bit and you didn't correct me but you kind of like gave off this hint of like really it's been years because I felt as though we had been chatting on Twitter for years and now that you're saying it was during Hurricane Sandy that you first found me on there I'm amazed because that was not even a year ago that was November so it's pretty amazing yeah and you know, I was thinking about that, too. And the whole, you know, with with the way you mentioned um, how you decided to tweet your your food. Um, and and that is like the hard part is that people people at that point, it sounds like we're really expecting you to just do you know UX stuff like that is the thing you do. And that is the thing you tweet about. Um, but you're always a whole person. I mean, no matter where you are, you are you. And that's what you bring into any space or any conversation or anything you do. And there are times when parts of you are, you know, not as maybe not as present or, or, you know, don't simply don't need to be. But the fact that people were, you know, talking with you about, um, hey, more UX stuff. um, That's something that's I find that really interesting because I've I have had that same dilemma. you know, for me, it's it's been. I've always thought that I need to have a clear separation between my professional uh, presence on the internet and everything else. So, you know, for me, it was a literal domain separation. Right, there was the domain where I talked about work and had my resume and my portfolio for future job stuff, and then the other site was where I talked and was more, you know, talking about me and my life and the like. And, you know, it it didn't used to be that way. Um, But then at some point I decided to separate the two. And now that seems kind of strange to me, you know? I mean, it's, I don't know if there's a point to that much. I've struggled with the same thing, you know, in my late teens and early 20s, I had a blog that was just a mishmash of things that I was learning, doing, whatever. It didn't have any real point to it. It, I talked about what I was studying and I talked about what I was doing and traveling and whatnot. Um, And I never really got a lot of traction with that. And I don't think that that was my goal at the time. But I do remember thinking, how do people get readers? And I didn't really have any other than my friends and family. And then years later, when I started the blog that I'm still running, I remember making a conscious decision to make it, quote, professional. And I said, this is going to be a blog just about user experience stuff. And I'm going to look at all different facets of user experience. And I want to push the boundaries on what user experience is. And that was meaningful to me in my work environment, too. But... I would never post about a date that I went on. I would never post about a fight that I had with my parents. I mean, these were the things that I told myself were absolutely off limits for a professional blog. And over time, probably due to being on Twitter and all of the really intimate relationships and bonds that you're able to form with people in this pretty strange medium I felt more and more um, allowed 
to share other parts of myself. And so when big things were happening for me, like when I quit my full-time job to go independent or when it was an anniversary of my blog or Thanksgiving and I wanted to share thanks that I had for certain people in my life, I felt compelled to do that on that blog. And it wasn't strictly professional in that it wasn't a akin to my blog post where I was comparing the features of blog lines, which was big at the time, over Google Reader. It wasn't that, but it still seemed to have relevance in that it was related to my career and my career as in user experience. So I, I made that kind of allowance. Um, and then as time has gone on and I've felt more and more whole and confident and grown up and in charge of myself, I've allowed myself greater allowances and I've said this is my property, no one else owns this and I'm going to share who I am in all aspects of my life on my blog, on Twitter and in my day-to-day life as well. But it's funny because I did something recently that actually contradicted that desire that I had which was um, I had written this kind of personal essay. It just flowed out of me. I was taking a walk around Key West and I was um, approaching an art gallery and I just was thinking about things that were happening in my life and I had my phone in my hand because I was taking photos of, you know, cute doors and cars and funny signs and things that I was seeing on the street as I walked and I just started typing and I typed and typed and typed and I stood still and sometimes I moved forward and then I stopped and I typed again and what came out of me was this essay and it was very personal and it had absolutely nothing to do with work, career, user experience or anything else and at first I thought this was for me and there's no reason that this needs to be published but um, I ended up kind of in a strange moment sharing it with my boyfriend and he was really moved by it and then I thought well maybe I should share this maybe there's something here that's worth sharing but this can't go on my blog and I went searching for another place to publish it And I thought, gosh, do I need to start another blog? What if I do personal writing more often? Is it just, it's not going to be appropriate for me to put that on pleasure and pain? And I ended up um, choosing to publish it on Medium. And I told myself, well, Medium is a shared space and it's not something I'm, you know, I'm trying to brand or drive traffic to or, you know, run a business off of in the way that I've been able to use pleasure and pain to build my business. And even though I'm glad that I used it, it was a great user experience <laughs> in and of itself to use Medium, and I and I enjoyed it, and it attracted an audience to the piece that my blog on its own wouldn't have done. I felt kind of strange afterwards that I had compartmentalized myself like that again. 
So what? So wow, I totally agree. I mean, I, I'm not saying that you compartmentalize yourself, but um, what I what I hear there is very much the hey, I have this thing and I want to get it out. I think, but if I put it on my blog, it's going to be a little weird because it doesn't fit with the rest of my blog or the like. And you know, that got me thinking about Twitter and how that's become really important to me because I, I have started a lot of friendships um, and uh, just gotten to talk with people I would never ever talk with otherwise through it. But back when I started using Twitter, it was a private thing. I had it locked down. You had to, you know, I had to authorize you to follow me and that whole thing. And I had, you know, a, a, like a dozen or two followers, which was plenty. Um, and the numbers, you know, the numbers don't matter to most of me. There's a part of me that still absolutely cares about the numbers, but that is that is not the primary goal for me anymore. Um, but you know, there's some stuff I put on the Twitter, and there's some stuff I I will put on my blog. But for me too, it's been you know, wow, if I'm going to write something about me and you know what I'm what I'm thinking about in relation to you know time and these abstract concepts, these things that I totally geek out over. Um, you know, does that make sense alongside a post about you know doing agile UX? Uh, and and maybe it makes absolutely no sense at all. But that's but I'm I'm at a place where I feel that that's all right because that still represents me. And you know, eventually there will be categories. And if you want to only look at some some of the things I've written, you can do that, or you can search, or what have you. But you know, I am messy by definition. You know, I these are these are things that are all of some interest to me. So I want to get them out somehow. And for me right now, it's all going to the same spot. Outside of Twitter, uh, it's all going on my blog. Well, I'm happy to hear that you're doing that. And it's something that I aspire to as well because I think that it belongs together. We are one person. You know, I'm one person, you're one person. And if the intent is to share ourselves with others in an attempt to forge connections, then sharing only a part of ourselves, we're going to form a bond with only a part of other people. And we're not yes. going to have those deep relationships with them. And we're not going to understand their multidimensional selves because we won't be sharing our multidimensional selves. And, and when I think about why I really felt compelled to publish that post on Medium instead of on my blog, I think it was because I had that less food, more UX in the back of my mind. Uh. I let that comment sink in and I let that make a decision for me instead of rising above that and saying, you know, what what other people may think is secondary to what I think and, and what I desire for myself. And I, th I found that the people who recognize their wholeness have an easier time accepting the wholeness of other people. And so someone who makes the comment less food, more UX, wants a news source. They want a resource on UX. They don't want a human being. Right, that's right. And, that's exactly uh, you right. know, I'm not a blog. 
And that's a hard thing for me to say because there are a lot of people out there that think that I am. That that's their perception of me, that I'm a blog, I'm a Twitter account. That's you, what they know of me. <laughs> you have RSS. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny too because I uh, recently I was looking back at my ancient website, um, phonezilla.net, and gosh, that was those are good times. But I was looking at the stuff <laughs> I wrote back in, in 99. And one of the things, you know, I looked at my about page um, and I wrote something towards the end that, oh boy, I'm going to paraphrase myself, but I had said essentially, you know, this whole website is an experiment because you are going to develop a persona. You are going to develop a picture of me, which is not fully accurate, but you're still going to develop it. And at the time, since I was in art school, I said, you know, this is an art project. Um, But it's still like the funny thing is like it still kind of holds true. Because people have people will form a perception of you based on what they know and what they what they see and what they perceive and what they hear and what they read, but it's never necessarily a full picture of you. Ever. How could it ever be? I don't know. I don't even know myself to the fullest extent. <laughs> How could anyone else know me? And I'm and I'm trapped inside of here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what if, you know, it, it would be kind of hilarious if maybe Google figured that out someday. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you're going to do this. I mean, and it's like the, the, all the wonderful predictive stuff that technology is doing, too. It's like it's almost getting to the point where some of that knows you better than you yeah. know yourself. Well, right? Facebook Insights is precisely that. It's for advertisers to gain insights on who's seeing their ads but maybe it could be turned around to give you some insight on who you are but that that presumes that what we share is who we are yes 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 and particularly in my case because i share a lot people assume i'm oversharing that i'm sharing everything that exists but there's a heck of a lot that they don't know right and it's going to be i mean it yeah, the, the thing I think of with all the uh, predictive stuff with regards to ads, it's going to be really weird in the near future when, um, when basically uh, Foursquare or somebody says to you, "Hey, you're going to Arby's for lunch." <sighs> this just—it <laughs> right? terrifies me because it presumes. Is it because of Arby's? Yeah, not Arby's because okay. they have a really good roast beef sandwich, or at least they did when I was in college and broke and hungry. <laughs> but um. <laughs> To even think, what was that roast beef? Oof, gives me, gives me, gives me the creeps to just think about it. Um, I have to wonder if we will become shadows of ourselves because of technology being applied in that way. Because anything that tells you where you're most likely to have lunch presumes that your behaviors dictate your way of being, dictate your true nature. And it also presumes that people with the same or similar behaviors have same or similar ways of being and same or similar true natures. And I fundamentally do not agree with that. Right. And it feels a little creepy, too. I mean, it's it's, you know, because I think we're thinking largely of the advertising angle, of course, but um, because everybody loves Arby's. But it's it's more of a matter of, well, 
are are we hmm, are our behaviors already gosh i don't want to say already planned out but is it more so that we're, our behaviors are, as people, are so predictable that we can just entrust a computer to figure that stuff out for us? Yes, but the beautiful thing about being alive is that you have free will and you get to choose your behaviors regardless of what your past circumstances have been and what your temperament or tendencies may be. You still have that choice. That's true. Um, hmm. Do you feel any of it's Do you feel any of it's planned out at all, in any way? Are we talking about fate here? Uh, <laughs> uh, fate or kismet or Yahtzee, um, whatever it is. <laughs> um, I go back and forth. I think that it's likely possible that there is a grander scheme of things master plan but i don't believe that our decisions are being made for us and i don't believe that there is a puppeteer pulling the strings causing our behavior i really don't i think that we are in this together and perhaps the grander vision is being dictated by a higher force that none of us can perceive but i don't believe that like any visionary that entity whether it's a being whether it's a force an energy field whatever has the control to make each and every one of us from the beginning of time until the end of time um, choose every behavior. I, I really think that that is an easy way of giving up on life. And so it's important to me that I see myself as having free will it's important to me that I see the purpose of my life as being to develop myself and what that entails changes constantly and I'm going through a whole new wave of it now and I know you are too absolutely but I am so dead set on understanding who I am and understanding my relationship to the universe and having a lasting impact in some way and what that way is is always changing and I'm always being surprised by the possibilities for that because just when I think I've figured it out it changes and a new opportunity arises and I feel my passions shift so I really I really believe that our behavior is the one and only thing that we control in this world. We can't control what happens to us. We can't control what people think of us. We can't control when we're born, when we die, when we get sick. I, I just think that we control how we react to all of the various inputs and stimuli and 
how we carry ourselves, how we understand ourselves, how we share ourselves with other people, and and how we make ourselves receptive to others. I think all of that is within our control, our behaviors. Outside of that, I don't think we control a damn thing. That sounds about the way I think about it, too. Um, I mean, the main thing that that I see is that one of the ways that you can change change behavior is to start something, right? Because basically you're saying mm, the way this is right now is uh, something that I am choosing to change. And that may, you know, the thing is, too, is that it may be something really, really small. You know, it's not even something as big as... Uh, Today, I'm going to figure out my place in the universe because, boy, that would be a really, <laughs> that would be a really awesome thing to put on a to-do list and then check off. Um, that would be great. Okay, figured it out. Done. Took an hour. Um, but more so, you know, just, the, just, just taking, taking any kind of action and whether that is in your, within the context of your prior behaviors or not, I think is the interesting and fun stuff and the, the place where the, the place where change happens and behaviors change and ideas change and ideas change and ideas grow and all that stuff. Um, because if you, you have patterns and I do too. I mean, everybody has these patterns and some of these we've had our whole lives and it's important, I feel it's really important to first see that and then understand it. And then if you want to change it, change it. And to me, that's been that's been very powerful stuff to really be able to not, not step out of myself, but to look and say, oh, I'm doing this again. And, you know, sometimes other people will say, you are doing this again. And sometimes I am stubborn and will say, I am not doing this again, but I certainly am. Um, but looking at patterns of behavior and saying, oh, that's a choice. Like, I, I am not programmed in that way. Like, I don't, have to be, I don't have to react the exact same way every time this happens, if it happens on a repeated basis. Like, I am in that moment and I can choose to do something different. And maybe it is putting, you know, figure out the, the universe on my to-do list today. Maybe I should totally do that actually right now because that would be really great. But it would nag me, too, and that would bug the shit out of me. I mean, it's so funny that we put these things on our to-do list and they become the center of our day. Our whole day is oriented around getting these items off the to-do list. And we're designing our lives around these little tactical things. And there's so much mental and emotional energy that I don't even think we realize that goes into um, taking that grander goal and then reducing it down to these set of tasks and saying, what are the small little things I'm going to do today that are going to get me there? And I don't know that many of us are even conscious of that. And then, of course, we throw a bunch of other things on the to-do list that other people aren't doing so we feel the need to take care of or our little things where we're trying to control our world because it's changing around us and we don't like that and we're trying to feel more stable and so we have to get a bunch of things done in order to control that stability or create the semblance of it if if it's possible to exist at all and our whole day 
becomes checking off these boxes. When do we take a step back and say, what is the life that I'm trying to create and are the things I'm doing every day enabling that? It's not something that I'm conscious of every single day. Lately, I've been in it, so it would be easy for me to claim that I have like some secret power of seeing the big picture, but when I'm in the weeds, I'm in the weeds, and I don't, and I think that it's the most important thing in the world that I send this letter today, that I respond to that email today, that I do this research on this website today, because if I don't get it off my to-do list, it's going to be hanging over my head, and none of those things in any way further my exploration of myself, my deepening of my compassion for other people, figuring out what matters to me, none of that does. It's just this thing. And it would be easy to say we have to, you know, get rid of our to-do lists and get rid of email and um, start living in these totally different ways that we're on the hamster wheel now. We've got to get off the hamster wheel. But the reality is that the hamster wheel is life. I mean, it's just one day after another day after another day. We have no clue when it's going to end. So I don't know that there's a better way of plotting out all of our steps towards our ultimate achievement when we don't even know what periods of time we're going to get to to act on them. We don't know how many days we're going to have and we don't know how much time we're even going to get in each day because there's millions, billions of other people with their own agendas and their own free will that enter into our world every day and fuck up our plans. How do that's that's the worst. How do (laughs) how do you get off the to do list hamster wheel? And, And and I'm actually really curious to know, because I don't think I know this about you, what was that moment if there was one when you realized I'm passionate about developing myself and I'm welcoming change and I'm going to do that in the face of fear what what was that for you oh gosh that that's a good question um much like we were talking about the the choosing to start at the top of the discussion it it I don't know if there was any one moment of clarity I think it would be maybe silly for me to say you know on April 19th at 4 21 p.m that is when everything happened um I think more so for me what it was is that I I had boy well part of it was therapy I'll be absolutely honest with you part of it was therapy and just having that other perspective on my life that was coming from uh, a professional certainly helped me a lot. Um, And that gave me a lot to think about and talk about with my wife and kind of, you know, figure out with her to a degree. But then there was also just the self-exploration. And a lot of that really, for me, came down to seeing that I had a choice in all matters of my life. And once I saw that, that really opened things up for me. Um, 
And that did happen, April 19th of 420. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it, it really, for me, it was that having that acknowledgement, like everything, everything in my life is a choice that I have made um, for the most part, right? I mean, yes, I'm here. I didn't choose to, to exist, which is, you know, kind of cool. Um, but I do. And, and what I do in every single moment is absolutely a choice. And yes, they're, you know, much like the to-do list stuff. And you're talking about how other people come in and, and disrupt that, that perhaps pristine to-do list. Um, there are sometimes, I mean, there are definitely times when other people take priority, but I think for me, what it was is as I started really understanding me and starting to starting to acknowledge that I had wants and needs that I'd not addressed maybe ever in my life in a in an attempt to be totally selfless and help other people um, I was denying myself and being able to pin it like that and see it that way was really that was a big moment for me too because that again was a choice, you know. I was always taking a backseat and always letting other people choose, even if I knew what I wanted and had an idea. That was a part of me that I really didn't give a lot of play to. So that part of me was really quiet for a lot of my life, and I just decided. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say I just decided, but it it made more sense to me to consider that part and give it a little more play and let it, you know, let it speak and let it, you know, let's see where it goes and let's see where things go. I think that's where a lot of it came down to for me. Um, and once, you know, once there's the notion of, wow, I like, I can control this. Um, and it's only me I can control, of course, as you say, not other people, but wow, I, I have control over this and I can control this. That's when, like I say, that's when it kind of opened up for me a lot. Because then it, then it led to things like, well, I, you know, I've, uh, gosh, I never exercised. I never liked that. Um, I never liked the fact that I didn't do it. And I never liked the fact that, um, never liked exercise. <laughs> I just never been exposed to anything that I really enjoyed. And then I tried running and I liked it. And that really surprised me a lot because that it still, <laughs> it still sounds terribly boring terribly boring to me a part of me right mm. um but i really enjoy it so i don't see that as something to be ashamed of that's just something that's now a thing that i do um but i wouldn't have gotten that point if i just said oh you know this is i i don't have a choice in the matter and this is the way i've been for x number of years and it will continue that way for you know question mark number of years well first i want to say word up to therapy <laughs> I feel like people are not um, – it's still a taboo for some reason. And I'm not sure why it should be a taboo that you love yourself and you want to be the best version of yourself you can be and you trust in another human being to help you figure out how to do that. So I'm a big fan been doing it for many, many years with different people, different periods of my life, and I would also credit it tremendously for the mindset that I have that I am a living, breathing, changing being, <laughs> and that I can engage in what it is that I want to work on on a daily basis but you need to get some perspective on that and whether it's a therapist, a coach, 
a friend, a boss. I mean, that insight comes from a lot of different places, but there's a lot of validity to going the psychology route. But I'll, I'll leave it at that. But when you say that you were so focused on helping other people that you really denied yourself a lot of things, I am reminded of one of my favorite images, which is the emergency procedures on an airplane of putting on your oxygen mask before helping others. Yes. And I remember as a kid how disturbed I was that an adult (laughs) would put their mask on first before putting on my mask. And I really remember thinking that it was so unjust. And it was only until very recently that I fully understood why those are the rules and why those rules are really good and why they apply to all areas of our lives. Because if we are not taking care of ourselves and we are not the best version of ourselves, we are no good to anyone else. Anything that we do for anyone else is not sustainable. And we may think we're being selfless. We may think that we're giving everything that we have to other people and we're being and selfless meaning that we're denying our needs in order to maximize what we can give to others but the reality is that that is a complete falsification and it's a denial of reality which is that if we are not taking care of ourselves we aren't as expansive we aren't as receptive we don't have as large as an energy field as possible to help others, to be there for people, to really support people and their needs. And so I recently have become quite dedicated to taking better care of myself, even though I was under the impression for the last 30 years that I took great care of myself. I've always been very independent. I'm an only child, learned how to play alone at a young age always took myself out to great restaurants, movies, bought myself gifts. I thought I was my best friend. And it's been a a hard realization, but a really important one of late, that there are a lot of things that I do to deny myself my basic needs. And I think like you, I've done that in the name of selflessness. I've done that in the name of deep compassion for others, but failed to recognize that I was not being compassionate towards myself at all, that I was in a way um, demeaning others because I was seeing myself as not having the same needs as them. And, and... We're all equal in our need for love and support, for sustenance, for passion, for, for all the things that we try to enable in others. And if we don't have a reservoir of that in ourselves, we will get tapped out eventually. And that happened to me in a big way. And then I didn't want to help anyone because I was just done. I felt used and I felt burned out and I felt like I had nothing left to give to anyone and that was a shitty feeling 
I mean, that was that includes yourself, right? I mean, you didn't have anything left for yourself yeah, either. No, right? I had nothing. I had no space left. No space, no attention. And that was a super hard realization because I always thought I was way ahead of the game. What made you what made you think you were way ahead of the game? As you put it. Um I don't know. I don't know why I ever thought that. I, I I always saw myself as being really insightful. I always saw myself as um, being really resourceful and um, not needing other people as much as other people might need other people. I think that it was all total defense mechanism now. I mean, at the time, my, my whole growing up and my my 20s, I really convinced myself that I was somehow better, that I was somehow above all the other things that people experienced, that I had figured it out, that maybe I had come from a better place, maybe I had um, a stronger resolve. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure now what it is that I convinced myself that I had, but I know that I thought I had something that was limitless and that I didn't need to feed. And because of that, I could dedicate my life to helping other people because I would always be fine. Right. I mean, that, that, yes, I can understand that because for me, it was always, oh gosh, it was pretty similar, actually. It was that, um, I could help other people and you know, help other people. You know, for me, help is, is uh, one part of it, but it is not all of it because it was like, I also didn't necessarily have a big focus on people. And I, uh, that's something I'm still very much working on. Um, and, and, you know, being, as I said, being present in others' lives. Right. But for me, it was that, I don't know if you know if it was coming from a place of help, but it was, a, it was coming from a place of, I would almost say more ignorance for me. And not really understanding what, not only my my stuff because my stuff was totally like so not even considered. It wasn't even it wasn't even there for the most part. But more so, just you know, hey, other people, hey, other people really have needs too. And it was needs in the in, in needs in the broader sense, and not like, hey, I need you to add this to your to do list type stuff. But that took me a long time to realize for sure. Um, you know, people are people and we all have our own, our own stuff and our own things and our own uh, thoughts and feelings and the like. And boy, that sounds, you know, when I say that out loud, boy, that sounds really elementary, but that's something that took me a while to truly realize. I think it's something that we all say, but there's a big difference between hearing the words and being able to recite the words intellectually and truly knowing something in your being. And that's something I'm learning right now because I've lived from the neck up my whole life. And I've I've been an emotional person. And so like we tend to say, you know, emotions in the heart, though I don't know that that's biologically the case, but that's how we like to represent it. And I've always sure. been emotional and been able to tap into my emotions and not been caught off for myself in that way. But I 
would definitely say that I have not been present in my body. You know, I have not recognized myself as being a human being. I have not understood the inner workings of my body. I've gone to the doctors when I was supposed to, and I've taken the medications when I got sick, and, you know, I've eaten enough to, you know, stay relatively healthy. I don't have any health problems, but I'm not talking about it from that kind of superficial level. I mean, recognizing that we have a head and a heart and a body and that they all coexist and they all arrive wherever we go. It goes back to what we were talking about, a whole person. I mean, how many times I denied the needs of my body because I was in the middle of doing something for work and I didn't want to lose my train of thought. There would be times that I would like have to pee and I'd hold it for four hours because I just had to get that wireframe right. Isn't that incredible, right? It's, 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 <laughs> I mean, <laughs> having to go to the bathroom because I was, I was sitting here and like, yeah, I can definitely remember times when I've, you know, held off uh, going to the bathroom because I really got to finish this screen or I really got to finish this thing. And for goodness sake, your body's, <laughs> your body's saying, hey, we got to go now. And, and, Saying no to that's, I mean, it seems very funny, but we, we, we do that yeah. like, because we, we just see the importance of whatever we're focused on and whatever that task is. And, and, you know, we're like, oh, you know, that'll, that's fine. You can, you know, do it in a few minutes. And sometimes there are situations where you have to, you have to wait. Um, the similar thing I was going to say was around um, food and lunch and you know being in office environments where people will you know work through lunch and then you know i I run into people every day and i have throughout my entire career where you know i'll run into them at like three o'clock in the afternoon they're like oh i'm just having lunch now and i'm starving and and it's like why why didn't you have lunch you know and if you're starving well great but you know try to that's a part of self-care and it's 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 really weird to me and it, it's very troubling when it's you know it's a matter of that's something like that or going to the bathroom these are really basic yeah. things you yeah, know i mean my, these are super basic and we deny them we say you know hey that can wait uh is that really taking care of yourself no it's really? because we're completely living in our heads it, you, i'm reminded of when i was still working full time and I was, you know, just getting into Twitter and my dear friend Matt Nell, who I met because of Twitter, knew that I would delay lunch. He knew that I would get so caught up in what I was working on that I wouldn't eat. And every day around three o'clock, he would tweet at me in all caps, eat something. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) We joke about it now because it was pretty cute and and pretty sweet of him to do but I would see that and I would be reminded that I had not eaten and that there was this other person who I didn't know and we chatted on Twitter for months before we ever met in person and we both lived in New York at the time and I would just be reminded that there was another human being buried in that 140 characters and an avatar even though that's all I could see of him there was a whole human being who it was able to recognize me for more than my tweets and was a whole human being and as well and and he 
wanted the best for me in all aspects of my life and he was willing to take those 10 seconds out of his day just to send that message that meant something to me it hit me and I think that we very quickly were able to see each other as more than just you know colleagues or you know work associates or whatever but people in the tech scene which is what we were to each other I suppose at that time and we became really really good friends and we still are even though we don't see each other that much and we don't work in similar areas we still have that connection because we recognized something about the other person that we we were whole people and I I think that it's rare to find another person like that. Or maybe people are recognizing it, but they're not communicating it because they think that others don't see them that way. Um, I don't know. To the person, and I can't believe I keep bringing this up, because, but obviously it still has an impact on me. To the person who said less food, more UX, does that person see themselves as a human being with a body? and desires for their life outside of career advancement, I have to wonder. I'm not sure. I mean, that's, that's, a, very, that's a very interesting point because, <laughs> I mean, as you said, you know, that, that person, so I, not knowing that person and, and having the I don't even know who that, it was. Right, and only having the context that you provided, right? But, but it, you know, it sounds very much like, you know, that's very much, uh, this is, I only, I only see you as doing this for me. Um, and that is all you are. And it's not, you know, necessarily, it sounds like actually that message could be interpreted as pretty awful, but maybe it wasn't an insulting thing. I don't know, but, but it could also be that, wow, I only saw, you know, I only saw that part of you and that is all that I knew. And wow, there are other parts of you and I don't see value in that. Um, and that's, you know, again, that's, that's the denial of, of a whole person. So but the th- hey, here's the thing, though. It sounds like you took less food, more UX to heart, didn't you? Because you were skipping lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you were told you totally took it to heart. Yeah, oh, those no. were those were a wrong timeline. <laughs> but yeah, I, I it's funny because I haven't thought about that in a long time. But this conversation is continually bringing that up for me. It it symbolized something and I don't remember who it was and I don't remember even knowing the person who said it and it wasn't one person it was a bunch of people who either unfollowed and felt the need to tell me why they're unfollowing and and it was happening at a time when I was just starting to tweet about the four-hour body stuff and then it happened again when I was tweeting a lot about the Hurricane Sandy victims and what it symbolized for me is that not everyone wants to engage with a whole person all the time. And maybe that's okay, and I'm not passing a value judgment on it, but that's not something that I want for myself anymore because I think that I worked very hard to deny certain parts of myself in order to create an image that I thought was going to be more popular. 
Absolutely. It wasn't something that I did on it, that consciously at all. But it's not like I was like, you know, at my desk trying to engineer a person that I could attempt to be. I think that just slowly over time, I was either taught by society or I had my own misconceptions about what little areas of myself I should shut off or just dial back and not broadcast as much and which other areas I should turn up the dial on in order to attract the most people and be appealing to the most amount of people rather than to say it's okay if being fully me puts off some people however it's going to attract a fewer number of richer relationships into my world where they too want to engage with their whole selves with other people and in a way where when you and I met it wasn't like oh hey so you work at Gogo what do you do there and oh so tell me about what project you're working on right now who are your clients we were immediately drawn into a conversation on a very different level it was not about our work selves at all and it also wasn't only about our personal selves we weren't like talking about each other's significant others we were talking about our wholeness and working to embody that more and what does that mean and have we not been authentic in the way that we've been behaving up until now if we if we're now coming to this realization that we aren't doing as much as we can to not compartmentalize ourselves. And I'm still struggling with where to draw the line. I mean, I don't I don't share the intimate details of my relationship online and for good reason. Privacy still exists in my world, but how can I share with prospective clients what I'm doing in my life, the life choices I'm making, moving to Key West now we're talking about buying a sailboat and living aboard. How can I share those aspects of what's going on in my life without creating the perception that I'm checking out of society or that I'm less serious about my business or that I'm less available for work, all of which are not true. But you can easily imagine how that would be the perception and so I'm, I'm really struggling with that. I'm, I don't know how much to share, but then I feel inauthentic that I'm not sharing at all. So I, I'm figuring it out. I am really in the early stages of this. And that I'm starting this coaching program now at the same time, there's a whole lot of newness in my life and a lot of roads that I'm walking down and I don't know where any of them are going to lead but I feel like each one is um, reinforcing just the greater changes that I'm trying to make to myself and they will all have their benefits in some way and even if they don't necessarily have anything to do with each other and even if they don't all pan out and I realize along the way that thing wasn't 
what was right for me and it didn't pull me in the direction that I was looking for. Um, in some, I think all of these things will, but it's really hard to know how to communicate that with other people without feeling like you're being judged. Well, maybe you are being judged, but, (laughs) but, but (laughs) I mean, you're doing a fitting diagrams on a boat for goodness sake. Um, but the, <laughs> but, 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 but you may be being judged, but you don't have any control over that. Some people are going to judge you and some people are going to judge me or anybody else. But I think to me, the importance is that the people who matter most in your life, the people you are closest to, that is where the judgment stuff is most important because for me, there was a time when I really, really cared what everybody on the internet thought about me a lot. Because again, with the selflessness, it was pretty much, wow, then I'm, I'm thriving on that feedback. I, I really, you know, I am looking at, you know, I'm looking at the analytics, I'm looking at the numbers and I wonder what they're reading. And, you know, that's very, boy, that's self-serving stuff in a way. But, um, but I really cared about that a lot. And now I kind of don't um much like you were saying too it's 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 there are people who are going to there are people who are going to hear this podcast and they are going to say wow that was great and there are some people who are going to say then wow that was a big waste of time but so be it right it it simply is and you know for for us it's a conversation and for other people there may be something they get out of it but it still doesn't represent all of us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, this is a slice and that's all it is. But it's not, that doesn't mean it's without value. I, I completely agree. And when you told me that there, the person at work came over your desk and said, oh, this Whitney has character. I mean, even hearing that, makes me um, kind of change my body position. It makes me kind of hunch a little bit and it makes me make myself small a little bit because hearing oh, wow. hearing that is strange to me. The, the idea that there are people in the world that are talking about me when I'm not present, at 30, I still haven't figured out that that happens. Like, I'm not comfortable with that at all because they could be saying negative things about me and I'm not there to defend myself and I'm not there to explain what I meant by that and I'm not there to show them all the other sides of myself that they're not seeing and they're making a judgment on with less information than is available to them. And, and you know, there's a part of me that wants to control that. Absolutely, I have that too. I think a lot of us do, and it gets back to what we were talking earlier about what you can control. You're right. You can't control whether people are going to judge you. People are going to listen to this. People are going to see us on the street, and they're going to say, you know, they think something or say something, and they're not going to agree with something that we're doing, and that's just how it is, and the reality is that we do that to other people all the time. Yeah, totally. You know, I I consider myself to be so you know high on the scale of compassion, and I'm the person who writes about empathy all day long. And meanwhile, 
There are plenty of situations in my life where I find it very difficult to extend that compassion to people because my little judging antennas are up and I can't stop myself sometimes. And I hate that. And that's one of the things that I'm actively working on right now because it isn't what I believe to be my true nature. I think it's something that I learned and I want to unlearn it and I'm trying to figure out how. But it's just how it is and other people have the same things. And if we were to to um, control our behaviors based on what we thought other people were going to like or say or think, then we're giving up all the control that we have in our lives. We're giving up everything. So, you know, to take a stand and say, it's okay if no one likes this and it's okay if, if I fail. Ultimately, I'm doing it for me. And it's, that's not something that I think most of us give ourselves in our lives, especially those of us in helping professions. And that word help is very strange. And I, I heard you loud and clear when you were saying, you know, that the, the turn of phrase, I like to help people. Um, it's not enough. It doesn't capture what we're really talking about. It doesn't capture the depth of our passion of making other people's lives better and how we dedicate ourselves to that. We've chosen to do that through technology. We've chosen to do that through working on the more humanistic side of business. That's the path that we're on. And even you and I do that so differently, despite the fact that we are practitioners, you know, in in the same realm, so to speak. But um, we, we really don't many of us who and i would venture to say most of us who are in these helping professions give ourselves that gift of saying i'm doing this entirely for me nobody else not my partner not my kids not my parents not my boss not my direct reports only for me this is my journey this is my project i am my lifelong project and there is no one who can stop me and i think i've resisted that for a long time because I thought it sounded very selfish and I'm finally realizing that it's selfish to not do it with the selflessness that I had learned over time I started to feel that anything that I did for myself was selfish and I saw that as a very negative thing like selflessness I saw as positive you know like that's a really good quality like be selfless right and selfish oh that person is is you know uh, really into themselves in in not a good way and they're they're you know there's a lot of stuff that i have wrapped up with that word and have for a very long time that's not new but what i found is there is a middle ground when you know as, as you say like if you start to pay attention to yourself your needs what what your desires and wants are that's not selfish, that's self-awareness. And there's a huge difference, you know, self, and maybe selfish isn't even a negative thing. You know, that might be just something that I have learned, but I have always, almost always heard it in a negative context, like why that, that person's being really selfish. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, just kind of done as a put down. But maybe there are times when it's totally not. Maybe it's it, maybe it's fine. Maybe it's awesome. Maybe it's all the people that refuse to take care of themselves that think that selfishness is negative. Maybe it's envy. Maybe. Maybe it always was. So here we are. We're starting. You have to start somewhere, right? You have to start somewhere. Um, and if, if you don't start, then nothing happens. <laughs> then and nothing ev- happens. And eventually you stop being given chances. Yes, that's true. And the decision is made for you. Yes, and then you start to feel powerless and like you don't have control. Or you're gone. Yes. And yes. it's all over. Yes, and then then what? Nothing. We don't know. Well, we don't know. <laughs> maybe you get a chance to do it again. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet, but maybe you won't. I don't know. Um, but uh, I do know that we started a podcast tonight. Which is pretty sweet. It is pretty sweet. Whatever we started, we can call it a podcast because that's the label that other people would like to put on it. Yes. But what we have started, which I think started before tonight, is a friendship that's based on something true. It's based on a similarity that we see in one another that is deep below the surface. It's not about the fact that we're both user experience designers and it's not about the fact that we both attended this conference or really anything that could be seen on paper. We right. It's a yeah, it's a connection. I mean, it's 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 a connection and it's not it's it's it goes beyond that. You're right. And I think if we can achieve anything with sharing these conversations with others, it would hopefully be to encourage people to look for more of those in their lives. Agreed. The more whole people that we connect with, the better. And boy, and you know what the awesome thing is too? If you have, if you have a person uh, that you do consider your significant other who is also a whole person, that's exciting stuff. Oh, it is. And I think we both have those and hopefully yes. we'll get to share a bit about them in the, our future conversations. That sounds good. All right. Well, we did I it. That, I think that's good. Should we stop the recording? I can't wait for whatever comes next. But yeah, I think it's time to stop the recording. All right. So we're going to stop now. Okay. Bye.